The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy. Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the women's coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips, and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, to turn your pain into purpose, and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor, and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life's challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable bringing you a real, honest and unfiltered view. It's like your life flashing before your eyes. Everything starts to like, oh, why didn't I have kids? You know, oh my God, I'm going to die. And oh my God, I'm going to be bald. And everything, everything just came, came into my head at that moment. And it was just, wow, I need to process this. How am I going to process this? Hi everyone, welcome back to the Unfiltered Life podcast. I've got Kaz Fonset on the podcast today. She is the founder of UK cancer charity Wigs for Heroes. She's a digital storyteller and one of the most resilient women I have ever met with a huge heart. Kaz talks to us about living with cancer as a young woman, preserving her fertility by freezing her eggs and embryos, what inspired her to set up a successful charity, coping with grief, losing her mum and nan to COVID within the space of an hour, how to be resilient through tough times and how she's turned her pain into purpose. She is honestly one hell of a woman and I'd like you to hear her story. She is resilient, positive and beyond strong. I know that she's going to inspire you. So welcome to the podcast, Kaz. Thank you so much for having me and wow, what an intro. It sounds like a film. <laughs> doesn't it? All the, all the stuff that's happened, hearing it in like such a summary, it's just like, wow. Do you ever look at your life and go, it actually does, it's like being in a film because you've had so much that's happened? Honestly, it's like, I, I don't want to jinx it, but sometimes I'm like, what else is going to happen? But Netflix, yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want to give me a call, <laughs> <laughs> happy to discuss. <laughs> I think you need to get on right. Twenty-five part drama. Well, yeah, you just need the time and real, real patience for book writing. I mean, yeah. Let Let's see. Everyone's got their story, right? <laughs> Everyone's got their story, but I feel like you have been on how much stuff you've kind of been given and how much you can take. And what did you say to me? It was like how much more are you going to be I know it's just you know sometimes you feel like god am I am I cursed is this bad karma um what have I done did someone put a a, put some sort of voodoo magic on me like you know but then you're like actually this is life as you get older you start to experience major life events I suppose it's nothing nothing like childhood really yeah I mean I was saying to Kaz before we started recording 
that I actually believe there's people in the world that are served more shit than other people because they're here to help and serve other people through pain and whatever that is. And you definitely are someone who's kind of turned their pain into purpose and, you know, used it for the good. And I want to talk more about that in terms of how you set up your charity. Um, But first of all, kind of take us back to, you know, your journey with the big C. Um, When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in May 2017. And it was a day after my sixth year wedding anniversary. So it was the 2nd of May. um, And it's coming up to my four year anniversary, actually, and my 10 year wedding anniversary on the 1st of May. So yeah, it it was four years ago. And that's when I was first given my first diagnosis. For anyone that doesn't know, I've had breast cancer twice. (laughs) Um, So I was diagnosed second time in 2019. So yeah, I've had breast cancer twice. And thankfully, I've I've gone through it and beat it. And I'm here to sort of tell the tale, if you like. Or if you don't yes. like. So what was like your first reaction finding out? Because you were such a, well, you are such a young woman. But even what, in 2017, how old were you when you found out? I, I just turned 31. So it was about eight weeks after my 31st birthday. So it was like the shittest birthday present, honestly. And, you know, you, you dread getting older anyway to some degree. You're like, oh, another year. No, oh, what have I done? What have I achieved? And it's like, here you go, here's here's a bit of cancer for you. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best 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 news, no. No, and how did you actually take it? What was your response to it? Do you know what? I honestly thought that they mixed up my results with someone else's. I always say this to everyone because I it's like that absolute one hundred percent confusion and then devastation and then like you feel completely sick all in one like sitting if you like so oh when they told me I was just you've got you've got it wrong like someone my age can't possibly have breast cancer I'm 31 like you've definitely made a mistake and I thought she was joking I'm like are you joking is this a joke and she said no this is not a joke and I was like wow and everything just runs through it's it's like your life flashing before your eyes everything starts to like oh why didn't I have kids you know oh my god I'm gonna die and oh my god I'm gonna be bald and everything everything just came came into my head at that moment and it was just wow I need to process this how am I gonna process this and how did you process it (sighs) well I sat in that office for three hours and cried and then I was like oh my god how am I gonna tell my mum and dad how the hell am I going to tell my mom and dad? So um, I went home and I actually waited until like my parents finished work and I composed myself, got myself together, went and told them. And I suppose composing myself to be strong when telling my mom and dad, that was probably the first moment of, okay, I need to get my shit together. I need to be strong. I can't let them see me collapse because then they'll collapse. Like they don't want their little girl like crumbling from this. And, you know, so I suppose that was the first moment I'm like, yep, yeah, I've got this, you know, I've, I've got, to, I've got to have this, but it took obviously a, about two weeks before 
I really got my head around it and I got myself into that mindset where um, I was a bit more positive. And but I didn't have any of the results then as well. I didn't know how big it was. I didn't know where it was in my body, didn't know what stage I was. So there was a lot of unknowns at that moment. So I just had to try not to think about, but you can't help it. You just think you're going to die when you're, t- when you're told you have cancer. Well, I yeah. did anyway. don't know about other people, but yeah, it takes a while. Long, but Yeah, how long did it take to beat the first cancer? Oh, my God. Um, in total, the treatment was about 15 months. So just over, yeah, just over a year from starting chemo to finishing immunotherapy as well. It took about 15 months and then I only had about six months of remission before I was diagnosed again and then I had to do it all over again. Yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster and a journey and a half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to go from having to deal with it once to then dealing with it twice, I just admire you, Kaz, because you still put out so much positivity and you always see kind of light at the end of the tunnel in what you share and how you share it online. You know, one of the things that I remember that you were constantly doing is your Dear Diary on Instagram, which... I loved because from someone who hasn't experienced it or experienced anyone around me, it was eye-opening and actually it was a good way for someone like myself to actually understand what someone like you is going through. Would you say that that was like a form of therapy, sharing it online? A hundred percent. And also it was a way to keep my family my friends my family abroad as well in the loop with what was going on and that I was okay like I was doing all right despite the situation I was trying to live my life as well and I didn't want to I didn't want to share all the gruesome stuff or the heartache or the pain but I tried to find a little bit of positive in each day and really tried to make each day count because when you are given a diagnosis that's life-threatening You do think about death every single day, but also you think about your life and your purpose and actually, God forbid, like if I did die tomorrow, what have I done in my life? So I was like, I need to do something that I'll be remembered for and leave some sort of legacy. I don't have children. So I was like, I need to do something, you know, for my family. And if anything does happen, they can remember me in a really positive way. It sounds so morbid, doesn't it? But you, you know... I wanted to just enjoy my life with what what time I had. You know, they didn't say I was terminal or anything. They said, you know, with your treatment plan, you'll be okay because we've caught it kind of early. So I had to hold on to that bit of positive um, news as well. Otherwise, my God, it would have just proper brought me down. And it did. Some days I felt really, really depressed and down, but that wasn't every day. And so it's really important to try and share the positives because there are a lot of young people who don't know about um, breast cancer. And I try to teach people about, you know, what to look for, what my days were like, just in general, as someone who was having treatment and chemo and whatever. You could still be normal. You could still look kind of normal. You can still dress amazingly and talk about what you love still. And and it isn't all about cancer. Yeah, and... It doesn't define you and you can still live a normal life and still look amazing, which you always do. You're so stylish and you rock the pink hair. (laughs) Um, What would you say was like the hardest 
part of the treatment? The hardest part, oh my gosh. I mean, I had a lot of physical issues. I suffered heart failure as well after my second diagnosis. After the treatment, they had to stop it early because my heart started to fail. So the repercussions of treatment, treatment is brutal. You know, it did beat me up and I felt like if the cancer doesn't kill me, the treatment definitely will. The amount of times I got admitted into hospital, those were really tough. Those were the mentally challenging days because you, you don't think you're ever going to come out. And I think friends as well, like I lost a few friends or, you know, our friendship kind of went downhill just because they didn't know how to respond to what was going on in my life. Like these guys are like, you know, working, going out every Friday, doing this, doing that. I couldn't plan anything. Mine was like a day-by-day sort of affair, if you like. <laughs> I couldn't plan anything in advance. So it was like, well, if I feel okay, then I'll I'll go. So the invites started to slow down to things. I didn't get invited anywhere because people just assumed that I'd be sick. It's like pregnancy. Oh, don't invite her. You know, she's, you know, you hear that sometimes. <laughs> don't invite her. She's, she's not going to have time, girl. She's not going to have time. She's with the baby. It's like a, assumption, a lot of assumption. But... Yeah, that that was hard. That was hard. The friendships. You mentioned about people not knowing how to kind of talk to you about it. And I would say just from my perspective, like, it is kind of hard to know what to say. So what would you say is the best advice for someone who has found out that someone does have cancer or like, how do you treat it? Do you sympathize? Do you empathize? Or do you just carry on like normal? I think that's where a lot of people struggle. So in the end, they just decide that they're not going to say anything at all. Or like you said, the invites just kind of stop. And it's probably not because they don't want to be around you. It's more that they don't know how to to deal with it Mm. I think people our age especially you know like I said before we haven't experienced any major life events so we don't know how to deal with Anna if she has Alzheimer's at the age of 38 you know like we don't know how to deal with these things because we it's not really normal for people our age but saying that if you don't know what to say just say do you know what I don't know what to say it's absolutely fine to say that um I would say carry on being that person's friend go through the motions with them don't you know if you just stick to appointments with them like stick to your little meetup days do things to cheer them up because it's it's a real it is really difficult mentally and you do feel like you're alone a lot of the time and I suppose you are because you're the one sort of fighting it really Um, or living with it and I suppose listen to just listen to them you know because half the time if you if you spend more time with that friend like uh, uh, some of my friends right we were I used to be in a band and my bandmates used to come over every single Wednesday no matter how I was feeling no matter if I was like throwing up or having nosebleeds they sat there with me some days we did music other days we didn't but because we'd see each other so often it would be like 10 minutes cancer chat and then it would be like normal conversation after that yeah so we talk about oh what what's such and such up to oh you know gossiping here and there and 
it wouldn't be anything. But then I had other friends who I wouldn't see for months at a time. And it would be like, oh, I'm exhausted. We've just spoken about cancer for four hours over afternoon tea. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. see people on a regular basis, it will be cancer chat. Now let's talk about normal things. I don't want to talk about cancer anymore. I hated talking about it with my friends because like, just look at my Instagram page, catch up with the cancer shit over there and let's just stick to like real life now. <laughs> I think that's really good advice, actually, what you just said and actually would be really helpful for somebody because, yeah, it is that not really knowing what to say when you hear bad news. Just don't be scared. Just don't be scared. Yeah. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying as well because one of my friends, actually, I'm not going to, say who she is or anything like that she was a childhood friend I don't really speak to her that often but when she did find out she she started to completely ignore me all the time and after everything that had happened and then when I got diagnosed a second time she actually called me whilst I was in a waiting room to see my surgeon and she said I'm so sorry I haven't been in touch like I'm gonna be honest and tell you that the reason why I haven't been in touch is I was scared that you was going to die and I didn't want to get close to you. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. wow. I, I just didn't know how to respond. I said, thanks for being honest. Like that's takes a lot of balls to actually admit that. And I respected her for actually saying it out loud because some people would, would never, ever, ever say that. Like I would never say that to somebody. I'm not that way inclined, but even if I did think that, I wouldn't actually say it out loud. But some people have literally hashtag no filter. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it's pro yeah, kudos to her for actually saying it out loud. But maybe that was to help her heal. Maybe it got to her that I there's no bad vibes with her. I I I get it. You know, some people just don't know how to deal with it, and yeah. Um, again, they don't know what to say and sometimes they do end up saying the wrong things. But I suppose mm. it's up to the person listening to that person speak to, to pull them up on certain conversations or th certain things that they do say and say, listen, let me stop you there. It's not actually okay to say that. Can you just stop saying yeah. that? Some people don't do that and just yeah. sit there and listen to people waffle on and, you know, it's not, it's not very nice. And also... I've recently learned myself that actually it's better just to sit there and listen rather than offer yeah. like too much advice it. or over talk. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of like let that person talk about how however much they want to talk about it. Because sometimes there might have been days, cats, probably, you know, you might disagree agree with this but you may have wanted to talk about it because it's really eating you up inside and then there was other days that actually you did just want five ten minutes or you just didn't want to talk about it at all so I try and let either my friends or my clients like lead first rather than like you know kind of over talk them or like you know ask them too many questions about what's going on so, because sometimes people don't speak up, do they? So I do think just listening to that person. And then if you feel like they don't want to talk about it at all, then you can just go on to like everyday chat. But like follow their lead is probably the best piece of advice I've recently been given. 
Um, Definitely. I mean, you're 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 a new mum as well, so you must get it from left, right, centre. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh God, we could literally have a whole podcast on that. You know what? Unsolicited advice all... number 2022. <laughs> I, I mean, I've said this quite a lot because it's, there's a fine line between giving really amazing advice and sharing like really helpful tips to telling someone what they should and shouldn't be doing. There's a real fine line between it and people need to know when it's it's helpful and come at it from a kindness perspective and, you know, this actually worked for me. You may want to try it. You know, you don't have to. Not, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, no, that didn't work for me in that way. There's a difference in tone. There's a difference in the way, in approach. So, yeah, anyway. You know you know what's, what's happened to me recently. We'll tell everyone about it in a second. Yeah. But I, I, I stood at the graveside uh, with my family and we let off some biodegradable balloons, mm-hmm. may I add. And yeah. uh, it was uh, in memory, you know, um, we let off the balloons and stuff. And someone actually wrote to me on Instagram saying, oh, do you mind, do you mind not letting off uh, things that pollute the environment? I appreciate it's for like a... And I'm like, mate, time and place, you know. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, as we were saying, there, there's people that just have no filter on the internet, oh, no, especially. No. I mean, I'm I'm learning that so much <laughs> recently as well. Oh, no. And, yeah, that's such a insensitive comment. Come on. Oh, like, I don't, and, don't yeah. take much notice, anyway, but anyway. Anyway, we will come on to that a little bit later. Um, let's just go back to your journey because I want people to know kind of where where you're at now like how are you feeling in terms of where you're at with your cancer journey I'm good at the moment so after my second diagnosis which was January 2019 my treatment finished around October time 2019 so I've been in remission since then touch wood I've been in remission everything's been going okay you know there's always scary moments and oh god I think it's back or oh god my armpit hurts what could this be you know you're you constantly live with that innate fear that it may return so you're almost like waiting for it but at the same time you're trying to live your life but I'm good my my heart has recovered but I'm still on daily medication for that so um yeah, I mean everything touch wood, health wise. <laughs> yeah, it's going good. okay. It's going oh, I'm okay. glad. I'm glad. So am I. <laughs> How do you live with that fear? What do you do to kind of get past it? Because that's quite hard to live with. I mean, because of recent events, like all fear about cancer has sort of just been blown out of the window yeah because um you know I I'm dealing with another void in my life you know Mm -hmm. and that in comparison to everything else is so there's nothing else that's important other than dealing with grief at the moment so I'm not even worried about my health stuff to be honest with you um it's so weird how when one thing can happen it's like it overrides every other fear that you thought that you had I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but absolutely, it makes absolutely. sense in my head. <laughs> it kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? It it just removes everything else that was going on, and you just think, oh, do you know what? That d- 
doesn't even that doesn't matter right now because I need to focus on what's currently going on um but that's the way that you need to deal with it because otherwise you'd have way too much going on and you'd have all sorts going on in your head so focusing on what you need to get over at the present time is important you mentioned earlier that you focused on the positives in every day how did you do that what was it like a daily routine or certain things that you did to kind of help you in that with your mindset so I bought myself no plug in here but I bought myself an Alexa and every morning my Alexa would play my favorite upbeat song and it would wake me up and put me automatically I'd been be in a good mood And then I created this piece of art. It's like an affirmation bit of text. So when I wake up, it's the first thing I see. And it says, I'm looking at it now because I'm in my bedroom. It says, you are alive today. And I sit there and for about 10 minutes, I really think about, okay, I'm alive today. What am I going to do today? Just today, not tomorrow. What am I going to do today? And I always... Um, wake up to that and wake up to that mantra and really not think about yesterday all the crap that went down not think about all the appointments or whatever I've got going on tomorrow I literally just think about the next couple of hours what I plan to do if I plan to just chill out on the sofa and eat then I'll do that if that if that is that's what's going to make me happy I'll do that if it takes going out and going shopping thank god like the shops are open now because retail therapy for me was an actual thing I always say this um you know it helped my mood just walking around as well got in my 10k steps every day (laughs) but um just focusing on the day and really not taking that time for granted because when you are in this club this cancer club that you don't want to be part of you see a lot of your friends around you either get through it or not and about I'd I'd say 15 or more friends of mine have died from cancer from my online community and some of them I, I was really close with and you know when you see that happen you really just start to think about my god I'm so lucky like what am I doing with my time if I'm wasting it like what an idiot you know these people these friends of mine have you know they fought for so long to try and be alive and have another day and I've got it and I'm I'm not gonna sit here and waste it and I'm not joking with you but every morning I have that thought and sometimes even when I'm on the sofa and I do feel depressed and down you know because I have crappy days as well of course I'm human but I really think like what an idiot why am I sitting here why am I sitting here I need to get up and do something let me just get up and bake something that'll make me happy put on some jeans and just feel good because I want that bad feeling to go away and so I really kick myself I have to because no one else is going to do it for me I have to do it you have to learn to to be your own motivator really Um, because you know when you're dealing with cancer as well it's a lot of a lot of isolation time forget about covid you know there's a lot of loneliness people are out at work and you're at home recovering and there's not much you know you can do or not many people you can speak to in the day so there's a lot of like motivation being a self-starter and really advocating for yourself and being your own champion and cheering yourself on every day there's a lot of 
learning how to do that and it takes a long time to learn how to do that yeah god I mean that's just so powerful Kaz it really is no no honestly anyone listening I bet they're just like wow she's amazing because something like that you could wallow and you know you could really feel down and like you said we're all human beings we have emotions we have to let them out you have to feel you know down on some days because that's a human emotion if you were to put the lid on that all the time then you'd also be shutting down that emotion that actually could then cause or spill out in a way that shouldn't come out uh, whether it be anger or upset or you know anything like that do you ever get like angry other people who are either upset or angry about such menial things or like you know when you see things in the street and you're just like you have no idea (laughs) do you know what like I remember this is so cringe this is so cringe I actually was in a club right and I was still going through treatment (laughs) I was going through radiotherapy I was in a club I went to the toilet and uh, there were some girls in there who, who were moaning about a boy um and uh one of the girls like I can't believe I'm you know I'm doing this I'm letting him do this to me again you know she was really going for it like with complaining and I said I'm so sorry to interrupt but are you are you like I can't remember exactly what I said but I basically said something like why are you worrying about it why are you worrying about it is this affecting your life like is this really affecting your life I said look look at me I'm going through cancer treatment right now. I'm not letting anything phase me. I'm here having fun. You know, this could be my last day today. And the girl's like, oh, my God. And after that, like five minutes later, they got out of the toilet, started dancing, drinking. And they were like, do you want a drink? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm all right. Because they, 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 they were like, do you know, actually, compared to your situation, I'm all right. Let's live. Let's just live tonight. And I really had to pep talk the girls they were way younger than me as well. I don't know what like I was thinking, but how cringe was that? But I don't, I don't get angry. I kind of think, do you know what? Look, please look on the brighter side of things because it's not as bad as you think it is. Like you might be looking in a year's time, looking back at that situation and thinking, God, why did I, why did I waste my time with that? But it's taken a whole year for you to realize that, you know, some, sometimes, I get irritated with my friends because they're moaning about their little things, but it's like, wow, you know, it, it's two different worlds because they haven't experienced like a life and death situation. So they don't really get it. And I can't blame them for not getting it because I was like that as well before cancer. I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, I have to just grasp life by the horns and grab it. And if I want to go down to the beach, I just get in the car and go. Like, but some people have to, oh, let me check my diary, like, see if I'm free in three weeks time. It's like, oh my God, you're long. Like, that's not what (laughs) life is about. Like, if you want to live, like, let's really live. I don't get angry at people. I just, I just feel sorry for them. (laughs) Yeah. You like, I guess it, has it given you more like, do you feel like you're more spontaneous? Absolutely. Yeah. My God, if you met me four years ago, you'd be speaking to a different person. I was so like, not robotic, but I was like nine to five, 
let me finish work at 8 p.m. because I've got so many deadlines and, you know, I'm still at the office. Like, what what the hell was I doing? Like, no way I'd do that again unless it was a passion project of my own and it was really benefiting my life, not just paying my bills. It, yeah. Let's talk passion projects because that leads me nicely onto your UK charity, Wigs for Heroes. And that's actually how I came across yeah. you in the first place, wasn't it? When I was working on the brand side. You donated loads of products and that was just like, wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> I sent you like, <laughs> I don't even know how many boxes. It was just like boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Endless boxes. Please send me more. <laughs> Talk to us about the charity, you know, explain what it is, what it does for people, how people can help. So I started the charity about a month after my diagnosis. I know you're probably thinking, what? You just got told you got cancer and you started a charity. It wasn't a charity back then. It was just purely a GoFundMe project. And I wanted to really support the women at my hospital because when I was told about the, the crappy wigs, how much they actually cost, I was like, wow, you know, I'm on sick pay at the moment, I really can't afford, if I wanted three wigs, I couldn't afford like nearly £2,000 to spend on a wig at that time, it was just, no, you know, I'm not working, and and then I started thinking about all these women who, you know, they, they weren't working, and they had kids, and they were in different circumstances, um, a lot of people I met who... Uh, were on the verge of losing their homes and I was going to be buddied up with this lady so this is how it all started I was going to be buddied up with this lady um, for chemo because they put people together now to support each other which is quite nice and uh, in the end they said look we're not going to buddy you up with her because she doesn't speak a lot of English so we're going to try and find her somebody else that speaks Polish so she can really have that support and and you know you deserve the support as well from somebody else and I'm like absolutely fine and then and then I asked a bit about her and they said you know she's a single mum she's got two kids um and um she's she's got a much worse sort of prognosis than you and at that moment I just started thinking my god so what about her wig I know it seems so trivial to someone who might be listening thinking it's just a bloody wig like no it's not you know when you're your, who you are is really questioned and um, at that point where everything that, that makes you you will be taken away from you in a matter of weeks you really start to like fear the whole situation like initially I, I actually refused chemo because of the fear of losing my hair about 10% of people don't have treatment and refuse it completely because they don't want to lose their hair and that's quite a high percentage and um like an idiot I nearly I nearly said no to chemo and then it took me about a week and then I changed my mind because uh my second opinion doctor said you'll probably die if you don't have chemo and so obviously I did I lost my hair but I started fundraising for for people um to support them and help them in some way I didn't know how this money was going to get to them but I knew that if I fundraised I'd speak to the nurses and somehow get this money to the women at my hospital and then over time it just evolved and we we came up with a way of um, being able to give these grants out but because of Covid it's really slowed down the whole process so what we we plan to do we've we've just given our first official grant to somebody 
Amazing. Yeah, and I feel amazing because she's... Yeah, I was going to say, how does that feel? I, it, do you know what? When you hear the person tell you how grateful they are and that, you know, they weren't going to buy a wig because it they didn't have the money for it and that we have preserved a part of their normality, you know, just, just hearing hearing that person's voice it was just beautiful and um she's actually an oncology nurse as well so she works with cancer patients and never did she think that she'd actually have breast cancer herself um so to help someone from that sort of setting um it it just feels amazing but we we provide grants for people up to a certain amount of money um to put towards a wig that they like uh we work with an nhs specialist um called hair to wear they're based in wear they and we do like every week a sunday like wig wigging out session so there's nothing online like this and i'm like do you know what if i was going for treatment i didn't have a clue about how to wash a wig how to even put it on i would have wanted something like this so i feel like we're giving Uh, an additional service by giving all this advice to people and I love doing it as well I love learning from Amanda who she's the owner of hair to wear she suffers with alopecia so it's two different sort of sides of hair loss Um, and every single week we go on Instagram and talk about um, ways to support people we answer their questions and help them with advice but we also do pamper bags which is how you supported me isn't it so every week I put together pamper bags for men and women and I deliver it to my local hospital um, and they get given to people on their first day of chemo now we have arranged it with the nurses and anyone who starts their first day they they get given a bag and it's filled with goodies like bath bombs and lip balms and nail files nail varnish sweets all the things that you want to pick you up and help you get through treatment as well. Because side effects cause things like dry skin, you know, blackened nails. Your nails can get black from chemo and they can even fall off. Um, so all these things we really try and think about and fill these bags with. Um, so that's just a feel-good bag. And we do online coffee mornings as well. So we send out like boxes of teas and coffees and biscuits and people log on every two weeks um, and have a, a, a little, little meeting, talking about different topics. Um, yes, it's grown tremendously, but I still don't have enough support. I've only got a couple of volunteers. I've got a volunteer, well, two volunteers on social media who run our accounts. Um, I've got volunteers who run the coffee clubs, but in terms of physical volunteers to help me out in the office uh, every other day, fundraising teams, I haven't got any of that. Um, so we're really struggling in those areas. So, And if someone wanted to help out that, say, was listening, you know, what would that involve and how could they come to you? Do you know what? Like, because of COVID as well, it's a, it's, some people are really still nervous about doing anything, you know, um, in, like, direct contact with anyone else, which we can understand. But if people wanted to host fundraisers, oh, my God, I would absolutely love you for it. Um, if you wanted to donate items we've got a whole list of things that we are always in need of Um, if you wanted to donate you could donate like two pounds a month or whatever or a one-off donation or you could shop from our amazon wish list um, which we set up um, for things that we constantly need because we never get enough donations for men's products 
so we set up a wish list uh which is for men and women um for anyone really but predominantly like some of the men's products um we never get donated so we had to do like a a, a wish list amazon thing but yeah there's so and where many can they guys. find that is that on the instagram page or on the website yeah on the website on the instagram page and i'm getting into tiktok videos as well so i'm gonna start doing like what we accept what we don't accept and things yeah, like yeah. that so when this is released you'll probably see that on there now yeah i mean we're, we're trying to reach people to to get more involved because you know people want to know what we do and they want to know how they can support and where their support actually goes. And it's really important to highlight these things. And, you know, bigger charities get so much back in. They get so much corporate back in. But people still do runs and stuff for these billion pound charities. And it's like, please do a run or something for Wigs for Heroes. Please do a bake sale <laughs> for Wigs for Heroes. Like, we really, really need the support. And grassroots charities like mine, we, you know, we do want to eventually support everyone in the UK. But we can't do it if we don't have support. We don't have funding. You know, I don't take a wage from this. I do this all in my free time. I'm up day and night answering emails and being on the verge of burning out sometimes. But, you know, I, I don't. I, I really try and manage my time um, so I don't experience that because without me, nothing will be running. You know, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here. But when you are running something alone, you know, it's your baby. And, and I invest all my time pretty much into it. So what's the future for it? What do you want? Oh, I'd absolutely love to have our own little like boutique charity shop um, where we can have an income from that. And we can also have a space at the back where we can host events um, like, you know, makeup days because we used to do some in collaboration with Mac. I don't know if you remember. Um, once a month we used to do um, makeup classes at Mac in Spitalfields um, but we'd love to have our own premises um, in North London ideally because I live in Harringay and we su we support people in this borough and you know statistically it's the worst borough in London for cancer services there are none there's no cancer services here so it's really important to support people from certain ethnic communities as well you know really try and give them that support that they don't find in you know other charities sadly because of um, language barriers and uh, again poverty there's a lot of that there's a lot of cancer poverty that people really don't know about um, a friend of mine was one paycheck away from being homeless but going through cancer treatment as well and it was just horrendous you know and what causes that is that because they can't work or employers you know you tell me I don't I girl like I've heard so many horror stories like there's some companies that they don't they're not programmed and to have that understanding of how to deal with someone with with cancer you know they end up causing a lot of uh, HR issues I'm from a HR background so luckily no one messed with me <laughs> I worked in a HR department <laughs> they were awesome you know they were so supportive but I've heard of businesses that you know end up letting people go and getting into like small claims courts and um, but a lot of the time it's because cancer is so expensive you know you 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 have this diagnosis and you want to change your diet, you know, because you hear this and you hear that about foods and um, travel costs and parking and um, surgery clothes and surgery bras and 
it's just everything, and then you still got to pay your rent, or your mortgage, or, you know, your kids, you know, there's, it's so expensive, and when you're not working, because you physically can't work, I think if you are on treatment that's maybe for secondary cancer, or if you're living with cancer, it's a little bit more manageable, but if you're having treatment for primary cancers, it's, it's debilitating, but again, saying that my aunt's got myeloma, she's had it for 15 years and her, her, she's on a daily chemo tablet and she feels wiped out every single day. She couldn't work again. You know, so some, some people's diagnosis, if it's a lifelong thing, you can't physically go back to work. So if you've got no savings and you're living off government money, which is what, 80 pounds or something a week, 90 pounds a week, you can't live off that. Yeah, how do how do you even pay your rent? And a lot of people end up selling their homes, um, or putting their houses to rent, and then going and live living with their parents. Or, you know, they have to go through uh, if they're you know renting from private landlords. I've heard of that people have got to move homes to go on some sort of DSS and benefits, and you know, it's just so it's too much. It's too much to deal with. And there are homeless, your whole life. Yeah. And there are homeless people who are having cancer treatment. I saw a post from you on Instagram and you spoke about fertility being quite a taboo topic in your culture. Talk mm-hmm. to us why that is. Oh dear, where do I start? Um I think do you know what it is? I think it's fear of being gossiped about. So when when something happens to you in the Turkish Cypriot community, people tend to just not talk about it out loud because they don't want to be gossiped about. Um, they want to be seen as normal as possible. They don't want to be seen as having issues, having problems because it's like, oh, oh, you know, oh, center of gossip. Oh, you know, the, the Cypriots love to gossip <laughs> about other people. I don't know why they, they thrive on other people's misery, but um, I just wanted to be open about everything. And I suppose um, that's one thing my mum was really proud of, the fact that I spoke about things that she would never have been able to speak about in a million years because for her it was like, I don't want people knowing all these things and judging me. And I'm I'm like, I don't care, mum, like with me. You know, if they want to know about me, they're going to know about me anyway. I'd rather be open and honest about things rather than people gossip about me um, in our community. So they've got no reason to gossip about me being in my underwear doing a campaign shoot, you know, um, with my bra on and showing my scars, you know, because, yeah, it happened. And here's my Instagram page. You can read all about it. <laughs> but when it comes to fertility, you know, you're young, you get married, you you know, you in our culture, you they expect babies. And when when something like cancer happens and you might not be able to have babies, it's like, oh, well is she really useful as a woman then or um oh well why doesn't she adopt it always comes down to kids because that's just how it is for some reason it's all about children even my mum bless her she she said oh you know are you gonna have kids now like grandchildren was really important to her and I suppose it's you know passing down um things to your grandchildren like property or recipes you know or jewelry like who are you meant to pass these things down to so yeah it is still a taboo topic and I'm I'm still talking about it out loud and 
Um, I will share my journey with what I do decide to do when it comes to kids. And, you know, people are still going to ask me, are you, are you, you going to have kids? <laughs> I know you don't want me to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You know, people are still asking, like, oh, so talk us through like your fertility journey because Mm -hmm. I read that you were given the option of preserving your fertility which is freezing your eggs and embryos so Mm -hmm. you've done that I have yeah I was really lucky that my my cancer wasn't a hormone driven cancer so when doing your IVF stuff to prepare you for embryo collection and egg collection and whatever and not actually having the baby. That was a complete, like, screw of my head moment. But I was really lucky that the hormones didn't affect the cancer in any way so that I could have all that hormone injections and stuff pumped into me and um, preserve my eggs and embryos and not actually have the cancer grow. So I was like, yeah, of course I want to preserve my fertility. Wouldn't you? (laughs) You Um, Even though you don't really know what's going to happen with your life. I was adamant that, you know, I still wanted to preserve this part of me just in case. So, yeah, I so jumped. Where, this might sound like a really silly question, but where mm. are they? <laughs> They're in a freezer somewhere. I think in <laughs> Homerton Hospital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. um, yeah, they're in a freezer somewhere. I, I, you know, I'm really fertile. Apparently they removed 19 eggs from me. Um, wow. and then 15 of them w- were, were really good quality. I don't know what that means, but they were really good quality. Yeah. And, um, my husband had the joyful task of emptying his little <laughs> specimen into a cup the moment they took my eggs so that they could create embryos on the same day, which they did. So I've got 11 embryos in a freezer somewhere. Okay. Um, And what does that actually mean for anyone who doesn't really understand? So they got my egg. They got his sperm. They put them together and created life and then put it on hold (laughs) in a nutshell. So if I wanted to have babies, they would implant embryos. Um, So no need to have sex. (laughs) Just like, here you go. But... is that the same as IVF or is that different? It, it pretty much is the yeah. same process. So they'd implant probably three or four at once mm-hmm. or they might do one. It just It's up to you. And then hope that your system somehow takes it and starts to grow. But the problem is I can't just say, hi, doctor, I want to have my babies now. I can't do that. I have to plan it with my cardiac heart team. Because I'm on medication, it prevents me from getting pregnant. Um, And if I do get pregnant while I'm on this medication, I could suffer miscarriage. I could suffer um, with a damaged baby, basically, underdeveloped, you know, whatever. Like, it's very dangerous to try and have a baby while taking these tablets. So I'd have to plan it all with the heart team. And it might not even be safe for me. I might have to get a surrogate. Like, I don't really know. Um, I'm in the process of having these conversations with my cardiac team just to get a better understanding about 
what it means long term because I do I do want to have kids I do want to be a mum um I think I'd be an amazing mum I've got so much love to give um and my mum taught me so much I want to pass these things on to a little sprog one day um and you know I'm really lucky that I got the chance to do all of that fertility stuff so I don't want to waste it if that makes sense I am a bit nervous about getting ill again but then I might god forbid be knocked down by a bus tomorrow so I can't fear a diagnosis again and cancer again if I haven't got it so there's a lot there's a lot involved yeah how does like you know having a surrogate make you feel like is that something you would go down the route of or I mean I I wouldn't mind but I'd like to see if I could do it myself first um, because I want to I wanna have that experience of pregnancy. I want to feel that baby kicking and the alien foot sticking out of the skin, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's my dog snoring, by the way. I want to have that experience because it's, you know, it's something that I, I did want before my cancer diagnosis. Me and my husband were sort of on our way to potentially being parents one day you know like we we did have that on the plan like you know we do want to be parents I look at him sometimes and I feel really sorry for him because he's he's 36 now for four years he's been looking after a sick wife and for him it's like probably nothing that he expected to experience at such a young age Um, and he wants to be a dad one day and he's not in a rush obviously it's whenever I'm ready but yeah I, I want that but if it means that I have to use a surrogate or adopt or whatever then I have to think about these things and really investigate and how to go about doing them you know a couple of my friends have used surrogates so um it wouldn't be difficult to to find and um how to do all of that sort of stuff but yeah I do I do want to feel like the joys of pregnancy and losing bladder control <laughs> <laughs> when you're going through that Kaz, <laughs> I'll call you yeah <laughs> you might feel just a little bit different no I'm taking a minute yeah I suppose getting a no. surrogate is um is is you know you don't have any of that do you <laughs> I mean do you know what it's it's amazing that we live in these times like just you speaking about the science of you know putting your eggs together with your partner's sperm and like creating embryos and it's like on hold it's just amazing that we're able to yeah live in times like this you you have that option it's incredible and very and and really positive I know that there's a lot of things to consider and you're going to go through on another journey which is this is life you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things to do in life um and you know if you've got all these plans it never the the journey doesn't end until you know you even beyond if you're no longer here it's still you you have to try and enjoy the, the the journey of life and I mean, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. I'm not going to dwell on it. There's other things that I could be doing um, with my time. (laughs) Um, You've got such a positive outlook. I mean, I want to move on to what's Mm -hmm. currently gone on with you because Mm. I'm so sorry you lost your nan and your mum literally within the space of an hour. I mean, I want you to tell the story, not me to share it on your behalf. It's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty unbelievable. And, you know, we just celebrated New Year. 
we just said Happy New Year to everybody on the phone. And it's like I never expected this new year to to involve uh, tragedy. And, yeah, I lost my mum and my nan to COVID. And my mum, my nan died first. And then my na- and then my mum died an hour later. And it was just unbelievable. It was just like uh, something you just can't script, to be honest. Um and my mum had a positive uh, COVID test on a Monday and died on a Tuesday. That's how quick it was. We didn't have any time to prepare for it. We didn't have time to say goodbye, really. She got taken into hospital on Tuesday morning. She couldn't breathe. And we were saying goodbye to her while she was unconscious on over FaceTime on Tuesday night. You know, it was just... I still can't believe it. I, I, I still sometimes turn around and ask uh, Matt, Matt, did, did my mum really die? Like, did this actually happen? Because sometimes I wake up and it's like, was it a dream? Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I can't believe it. it that happened um, on January the 12th, and it still feels like it was yesterday. And I don't know how I'm smiling on some days, to be honest with you. Um, and it really hits me on other days, but... Again, it's it's. I feel like having cancer twice was the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. But then when my mom and my nan died, it's like actually that that's a lot worse. Um, but mm. it feels like the universe prepared me for devastation um, with having cancer twice and then losing my mom and my nan because it feels like I've learned to deal with it in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to deal with it pre-cancer I, yeah. I I don't know where I'd be if you know this happened a couple of years ago I don't I honestly don't know I mean yeah. it's not only losing you know two people that are so close to you mm. but within that space as well like happening so suddenly and then having to do it over FaceTime oh, I mean I was God. reading this Kaz and I was just I was actually like crying oh. reading it because and I said to my partner like if this doesn't put anything into perspective I don't know God. what it is because you've honestly and and you're so you know I I say positive but you know you're coping with it really well in the sense that you do look at the positives and how you can make use of your time to Mm -hmm. actually get through it Mm -hmm. but it's so like traumatic to go through something like that you know having basically seeing your mum on screen and not being able to say bye to her in person is just it's like inhumane in my Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my own personal opinion but obviously for the reasons you know how your mum mm. and nan died to protect mm. other people so it's mm. it's yeah. a catch-22 oh, yeah and you've got a brother and I've got three dad you've got three brothers, three brothers. wow wow three brothers. are you the only girl I am the only girl oh. and I'm very much I was uh definitely a daddy's girl of course I love my mum and you know I was the only daughter and uh with my nan so it was my dad's mum and his wife obviously my mum um passing away so my dad's experienced Mm. you know the loss of two loves of his life so the way it is now it's like well I need to learn from my mum and my nan who are two incredibly strong women you know 
they went through the war in Cyprus and my mum taught me a lot you know she just how to be strong she she didn't have much of a childhood um she was a child of war and you know she when her parents died I saw the way she dealt with it she kind of just carried on pretty gracefully and worked through certain things and did stuff to remember them and now that my nan and my mum have gone it's almost like I've become the head of the family now uh with the you know when it comes to the women so the two matriarchs have gone I've now stepped into these huge shoes looking after all the boys and really being there for them because traditionally there's a lot of things in our culture that if the girl doesn't learn and carry on the boys most certainly won't so it's up to me to keep some of these traditions alive but saying that you know my mum and my nan passing away it was the worst thing to happen to our family but I'm just trying to look after the people that are still here and not forget that we're still living we can't die when they die we have to carry on we just have to do it no matter how hard it is they're resting peacefully and the way I see it is they both woke up in the hospital bed thinking what the hell are you doing here like did they get to see each other I don't no. think they I don't okay. think I, I I know my nan knew that my mum had gone into hospital right. but the other didn't know that the other had passed because they were both on Gosh. ventilators and it was such a comfort in a really weird way to see them together because to see my mum on her own if it was her just that just died alone I would have been devastated but to see them together, it's like they're holding each other. They're with each other. They're not on mm. their own. And my mum's not on her own because that's what you think. Like, my God, we're just putting them into the ground alone. But actually, we're not. We, You know, they're together. Um, and there's people waiting for them on the other side, no matter what people believe. Like, I believe that um, they woke up and had people and love and pe- people around them. And so it's really important for me to make sure my dad is is looked after right now because he is feeling it the most yeah really really is and uh, so we've introduced new routines we see each other every friday every other day as well sometimes but every friday we have a family takeaway night um trying to start our own traditions and i think it's about doing that now trying to create new traditions new practices new um ways of, of life because for my dad it is a new way of life and you know it's just yeah and what what would you say to someone listening that's either coping through grief right now or has done most recently oh my god you know the thing that's got me through is to just take one day at a time again um I had this with the cancer stuff as well I just focused on one day at a time and it it really it really is key to just not think about tomorrow um just think about today and really looking after yourself um you know if 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 it take if it's difficult to get up and have a shower um like really just put that down as your task for the day like to get up and just get dressed because you feel a million times better when you shower and get dressed I know for for sure that I do and it most certainly applies every day so one of the things for me was I need to make sure I'm up and dressed before midday every day 
because for about three weeks I stayed in bed and I didn't get up and I didn't shower and I thought, you know, when my mum died, I died with her. That's how I felt. But it does, uh, you know, funny to say, but it does get easier to deal with it, you know. There's still this massive void that I just can't seem to fill and I don't think I'll ever be able to fill. But for me, it's really important to get a routine. Um, yeah. So the fact that I can get up now before 12 and and shower and dress and have my breakfast and, and do something for the day, that, that is a hell of an achievement for me. I know that in this this year in particular is going to be the most difficult because it's loads of friends have said as well it's the first season of everything the first birthdays the first Christmas you know mm. that we're going to have soon the first Halloween the first this the first that once that's the firsts have done uh, their round and we get onto the second year then it starts to get a little easier um, even though they're, they're still going to be challenges and it's still going to be hard on her birthday and on Mother's Day, you know, on these occasions. But it's really important, like I said, to get into some sort of routine and just be kind to yourself. Just really be kind to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, roll with the emotions and don't resist them, I think. That's right. And yeah. someone described it as the sea, the, the emotions of grief that, you know, one day it could be really stormy and rocky and other days it could be calm, like nothing's happened. Um, yeah that's definitely um, grief yeah yeah that's a really nice analogy actually I've mm. never heard of that before mm. like today for me is is calm and I like talking about my mum because I'm sure that she's you know smiling somewhere because yeah. she's been talked about and she's not being forgotten about because when you forget about uh, conversations about people and you just stop talking about them it's like their memory dies with them you know and I don't want that to happen don't want that to happen no one does well you've done a lot as well in terms of sharing your story online and making people mm -hmm. aware you know aware and keeping those memories alive you know I was reading one of your posts about mm -hmm. you know your mum's things your nan's things yeah. that's another part of kind of you know letting go the grief process after that people forget about that you have to deal with all of that and that brings up a lot of oh, yeah. and heartache and having to deal with that side of things as well so oh. you're doing an incredible job with that if you could what's the one thing that your mum and your nan have taught you that you could share with us my mum I, wish, I said this before, I wish you guys could have met her because she was the light in the room. Everyone knew when my mum was around. She was this little lady with a really big personality, um, but she couldn't do enough for people. Um, she was so giving, so kind. She always thought of other people. And my nan was exactly the same. And you know, I do feel like, yeah, I've, I'm like that as well. I, I, I don't need to try and be like that. I'm, I'm already my mother's daughter in that sense. But my mum always used to say this one funny line, especially to my husband. Um, she had a little accent as well. Uh, when we used to be stressed out by people, or people used to really piss us off. People at work piss them out off. My mum used to say, why are you worried for them? <laughs> <laughs> like that, just like that why are you worried for them? And I'm like, that's true. Like, why am I worried about these people? Why am I letting these people get to me? 
No, why, are you, so... why are you worried for them? And I still say it now to my husband in that accent as well. It's like, yeah. you sound exactly like your mom. And I'm like, why are you worried for them? Like, he's <laughs> arguing with people at work. And it's like, don't worry about them. Like, like seriously, is it going to matter tomorrow? Not really. Then why are you worried no. about it? Is it going to matter in five years? No, Not five weeks. No, it why won't. Why are you letting it stress you out? We get wrapped up, we don't do. we? In, you in do. Those, yeah. Do. But you know what, <laughs> you, you were saying, like you were talking about your mum, like all of these things, I was like, and I know you as a person, and I was yeah. just like, you're literally talking about yourself. <laughs> so, oh you know, they have to, they have taught you that, and I'm oh sure my God, yeah. so proud. My mum, like, I think be just being self, as selfless as possible, because my mum always used to say, and my nan, you're not taking nothing to the grave. Like, don't be fixated on money because you can't take that with you. Like, there's, you know, you can only enjoy it here and that's it. Like, be good to people. Be kind. You know, my mum and nan were were believers in karma. Um, Mm. Massive. You know, what you, what you, what energy you put out into the world, you get back. And, um, you know, despite the, the tragic things happening to me, really good things have actually happened as well, you know. Um, I've met amazing, uh, other amazing people who have been so supportive to me and who have become friends and, you know, people that, you know, those one, one of the five people that you can count on your finger type people, friends. Um, and, and, you know, there has been a lot of heartache and a lot of tragedy and a lot of, wow, emotional rollercoaster time, but so many good things have happened as well. And I can't, I can't forget that. So it's like, well, actually, all the good that I'm putting out in the world is coming back in some way. Um, yeah, it will. So, it will always yeah. come back in full circle. I so, truly believe that. Anyone that, you know, is also doing the opposite, as in putting out all of the, you know, the negative and doing bad things to people or not being very nice, mm. I also believe that karma will come back round to them. And kick their ass. I hope so. (laughs) So there's something that, I mean, I feel like this is really relevant to you. There's something I always ask my guests at kind of every Mm -hmm. interview is how have you turned your pain into purpose? What would you say to that? Whoa, that's a question and a half. Everybody, honestly, I love the responses. If I was to put everyone's response, it's it's like... Have people been able to answer it as well? Yeah, yeah. But wow. It's, it's because it's quite a deep question and it makes someone really think about, okay, what has gone on that I've actually turned into like a real positive or yeah. I've used it for what I'm doing here today? I 100%. Um, like, you know, especially recently talking about grief, I lost a whole heap of followers, believe it or not, because they just couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think about 300 people within the space of a few days unfollowed me. And, um, it was really sad actually, because it's like they couldn't, they couldn't handle the reality of real life. And I didn't, I, it got to me in a way because I'm like, I'm sharing this part of me that might happen to you guys one day and you know I just want to I want to show you the real side of life as well it can't all just be smiles and whatever like they've they they started following me anyway because some of them you know have seen that I've gone through cancer and really spun you know again pain into purpose to help other cancer patients but now it's like supporting people who have suffered a loss and really 
trying trying to deal with that in some way and I'm never going to forget uh this girl who's my friend um now and we weren't that close or anything we're still not really that close before but she reached out to me after I shared my experience and she said Kaz my mum died last night and I don't know why I'm writing to you, but you're the only person that I know who's lost a mum as well. And I just can't explain the, the the emotions I'm feeling right now. And I feel like you're the only one who will understand. And we spoke on the phone after that message for about an hour and we just cried mm. together. We just we just sat there and cried and mm. and talked about our mums and, and I was like, Do you know what? The fact that I shared this experience online impacted you so much that you reached out to me and messaged me and told me mm. about your experience and you felt like I'm supporting you emotionally for that moment it might just be a day or two or whatever but I felt good about that because you know if I didn't then who would she have been able to speak to the next day like after it happened to get a little bit of reassurance that you know you're not alone and I suppose my thing is like being there for people to not let them feel alone I feel like that's my purpose is just being there for people in any way shape or form whether it be advice or just talking about the real stuff and continue but, yeah. to keep doing it even though you know yeah. you lose you lose and you gain followers and you know I'm not what? bothered about that I'm really you know for me I I help people every day through my charity and that's my purpose like really and truthfully like not just about the charity but just helping people in Mm. some way that's my purpose because I feel like I should be broken right now I should be completely and utterly in pieces having a breakdown but I'm not and I'm I sometimes I wonder why I'm not having a breakdown um and if it means that this strength I need to hold someone else up with it then that's what I need to do, you know. Honestly, I think you're an angel. Whether people believe in angels or not, (laughs) like I think there are angels in the world and I think you're one of them and I think you're here for a purpose. You're here to support people. You've been through so much, Kaz, like you really have, but you're not a victim of your circumstances and that's what I love about you so much. Like you've turned it into purpose passion with a bit of fashion (laughs) waking up every day getting dressed doing my hair buying clothes like it sounds so superficial but presenting myself is almost like putting on my armor this is me for today this is what's going to hold me up and if it means being in character of positive Kaz today because I've got uh, my pink hair straightened (laughs) then that's me today and later on when I take my makeup off I'll spend some time talking to my mum because I do every day I talk to her and cry you know then I'll cry for a little bit but it's only for a little bit life's a funny thing girl life is oh it's full of ups and downs it really is you know what you've been an amazing guest to have on and share your story so unfiltered and so raw and just completely genuine and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that can listen to this relate to it Mm. Um, and again just by doing this and sharing your time to help other people I'm sure it will absolutely you know relate to them and help them through maybe something that they might be going through right now 
you know what sometimes you you catch like when you're on instagram or something you're scrolling and you 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 catch that quote don't you that really speaks to you and yeah. and someone might come across this and think do you know what i'm really glad i listened to to that podcast that day um and that's why i would have been an idiot not to have done this with you today because if that one person thinks oh my god this this is a sign then take yeah. it as that sign you know yeah and sometimes we can ask for those signs and mm-hmm. it may just pop up you Ooh. never know mm. never know Definitely. but thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing thank your story you. it's been lovely to have you please tell everyone where you they can find you find the charity as well and um yeah so you can find me on instagram on uh kaz fonset k-a-z-f-o-n-c-e-t-t-e it's mm-hmm. fonset and not fonsetti which i've been called many a times um <laughs> and my charity is wigs for heroes which you can find on my profile bio link and yeah come and say hi and if you've listened to today let me know if you have it's always nice to get feedback from yeah. listeners isn't it um, always yeah so come say hi amazing thank you Kaz (laughs) thank you so much this is the unfiltered life podcast with Charlotte Jonesy thank you so much for listening to this episode if you loved it please subscribe download and leave me a review if you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories and don't forget to tag me so that I can see it if you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs then please head to www.charlottejonesy.com for more information hope to speak with you soon if not I will see you in next week's episode lots of love guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey podcast listener do you love talking about movies music tv comics and games then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine this season the panelists discuss the best james bond film the best elton john single the best nickelodeon original series the best batman villain and so much more find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com more than 100 topics are already available subscribe today